I don't know what's real. I don't know what's not real. Limited Capacity is a collection of six darkly amusing stories about the mysterious ways we interact with the internet and with each other. There's something going on with him. It's like an act. I don't trust him. What? You're staring at me like I should say something, but I don't really know what to do here. That's the whole name of the game. Don't talk about how the town isn't real. Do you understand? Limited Capacity. Available now on CBC Listen or wherever you get your podcasts. This is a CBC Podcast. Well, last week, we, uh, when we were hanging out with Mark Pinnell, God, what a lovely guy. Have um, you listened to any of the podcasts? Because I, 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 I listened to... I haven't uh, yet. I listened to the... There's an episode on a chalice uh, that... Uh, and there's this whole like story about, um, about uh, this chalice and this like lore of this chalice being stolen by... Uh, British soldiers. Yeah. Like, what we should say is it, years ago, and it's really interesting and like really like Irish, Irish English, uh, 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 like tension over in the last like couple of centuries, and it's really interesting. If, mm. if people just turn on the podcast and are like, "Whoa, it feels like I just jumped right into something that I don't know anything about," because maybe they didn't hear last week's episode. Yeah, We're talking you. about Mark Fennell, our guest, who is co-hosted last last week's Feel Good Friday episode, who is also the host of. The podcast stuff the British stole. Yeah, and we're not even being asked to say that. No, yeah. no, no. <laughs> um, but I haven't listened to it yet. But I am looking forward to it. Uh, great guy. But last week in that episode, if you missed it, I highly go- suggest you go listen to it. It was one of our, my favorite Feel Good Friday episodes it's yet. But in that episode, we talked about the crazy story that came out of um, the U.S. about a family whose grandfather, a World War II vet who they, the family had donated his body to science. And it turns out that his body through the unregulated, you know, body transfer uh, market market, (laughs) ended up on a, on a fucking slab in a hotel ballroom and was dissected for the public for $500 tickets. Okay. It's crazy. Whoa. I don't, I think I missed that tickets. Tickets to the event were $500. It's crazy to hear you say like before last week's conversation. If I, if I heard you say, the body transfer market, I would have wanted to jump in and correct you. Be like, no, that is absolutely not a thing. But it turns out it is a thing. So I did people are paying. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) I did more digging. And this shit blows my mind. And this is like old news. This is like so the so here's a story from the Washington Post that came out in 2019. Uh the title is Human Chop Shop that sold body parts (laughs) for experiments without consent ordered to pay $58 million to donors' families. Whoa. Huge lawsuit, okay? So the body broker arrived to pick up this guy, Jim Stouffer's mother, within 45 minutes of her death. This sounds like a made-up story already. Guys, with a character named Jim Stouffer. When I read this, I was like, this sounds like like an episode on Ozark. Like, it is just so wild where this goes. Substitute uh, drugs for bodies. Bodies, yeah. (laughs) Or bodies full of drugs. Uh, Stouffer wanted to donate his mom's body to science, 
hoping that the biological resource center, keep that in mind, that that company name. Let me guess. It's a misnomer. The Biological <laughs> Resource Center in Phoenix could turn his mother's brain over for Alzheimer's research. He filled out the paperwork and 10 days later received her ashes in a wooden box. But at the same time, in 2013, Stouffer didn't know that the ashes he received were just from his mother's hand. Whoa. He didn't know, as Reuters would later discover, Reuters, that the rest of her body had been shipped to the army for a Pentagon experiment <laughs> oh, whoa. to be used as a to be used as a test dummy in IED blasts. Okay, wait, 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 wait. I want to okay. know. I wanna do you know. really need? Do you really need like formerly live human bodies for IED explosion well, research? I, I, we've all seen MythBusters, and we know that they can get the ballistic gel bodies, yeah. and they work just fine. Gelatin bodies. But the crazy thing is, is that... They're probably expensive, I, though. I want to know how big the yeah, box not is. As, not as expensive. <laughs> cheaper than a an old lady. <laughs> I, I really want to know how big the box was with the ashes for the hand, because um, a li quick little side story here. Um, when I was moving home from Dubai... I actually went on Taylor's yoga retreat in Peru. And so I flew from Dubai to Peru and I was also meeting my mom there. And when my mom landed, I saw her and I was so excited to see her. And I went up to her and I, I gave her a big hug and she was crying. And I was like, oh, mom, like, you're so happy to see me. That's amazing. And she was like, no, I just got a call that our cat's dead. And she was oh. so devastated. She had left Halifax flying to Peru got a call while she was on a layover oh. that the cat was dead. And he, he her was exchange a, he, he students was a, found them. He was a bad and he was a bad cat. He, was he deserved a, it. He was a lovely cat. And yeah, well. and so they 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 said, What do you want to do with the body of the cat? And my mom had a couple of exchange students living with her at the time. And they they didn't know what to do. My mom was like, do do whatever. She was like, like clearly in shock. And she was like, I don't know, like, do, I guess we get him cremated, get his ashes. So when we got home from Peru, there was this box in our living room that was like quite a fair size box, like yeah. probably shoebox size. Yeah with the cat's ashes in it. So like I imagine when you get an urn for your loved one, I've never seen I've never seen ashes in an urn from a, a human, but I imagine there's a lot of ashes. Well Bigby was a hundred and like twenty pounds. So of a, a small ish human size. And I just got his box back. How big was it? How big is it? Uh it's a fair it's like a shoe box. Mm. Like, but a, it's, like an urn it, is it's like, heavy. Dude I, I picked it up and I went Oh my god! So if you an urn, just an urn is like this, an urn is like the size of a vase that would be used for a centerpiece uh, flower arrangement at a wedding, where you can't see anybody around the table. We need an urn right. in the studio. We should get yeah, one. That's yeah. a good idea. If anyone uh, has a dead family member and you're, you know, you're cool with it, you can just send that to Do us right up there, and we won't pay it, pay you for it. No, um, because we don't want to take part in the body transfer market. Yeah, honestly, also, illegal. Really, we'll, we'll get into that. After. Really, wait, okay. really quick thing: couldn't we? Couldn't somebody like a museum put their parents or loved ones' ashes on our shelf on loan? Because I mean, to be fair, if they're watching right. these episodes as on like YouTube an as like on an Fridays, ad. I mean, to be fair, if they're watching these episodes on YouTube. They'll probably see that urn more once a week yeah. for an hour on Fridays yeah, it's, than it's, they would. It's the right thing to in do in their living room, right? Anyway, so I was just saying, I wanted what I wanted to say was, wouldn't you know if you got 
your mom's ashes back. Yeah, but maybe, it was well, just her maybe hand. they cut it like cocaine. They just put, they just, they, they, they have, Mix the, in they, some sand. They have the small well, you, ashes, the small bit of ashes from the hand. And then they like put some sand you, in there. You say, <laughs> wouldn't you know, but if you've never held a box of someone's ashes, you, you, you wouldn't, I guess so. You, yeah. know, you, you wouldn't really know. So, uh, so the, uh, the guy, Jim Stouffer, he was quoted saying she was then supposedly strapped in a chair on some sort of apparatus, uh, and debt and a detonation took place underneath her to basically Whoa. get an idea of what the human body goes through when a vehicle is hit by an IED. The painful revelation would lead Stouffer to join more than 20 other people in a lawsuit against biological resource center for allegedly uh, for alleging fraud and, and deception. So when this came out on Tuesday, after years of litigation, the civil trial finally came to a close in Maricopa County Superior Court. A jury awarded $58 million in damages to the plaintiffs, finding that the Phoenix body donation company was it 58 million to 20, 20 families. Yeah. They're probably uh, not going to get any of that. Though. Uh, the Phoenix body donation company and its owner de deceived the families into donating their loved ones bodies only for them to end up dismembered and distributed for profits all over the country. 10 out of the 21 plaintiffs were awarded the damages. So 10 out of the 21 received the money, um, which included $50 million in punitive damages and $8 million in compens uh, compens compensatory, compensatory. compensatory damages. Thank you. Um, they didn't list who got money or where the money went. But So a lawyer who is behind all this, his name is Michael S. Berg. Just sent him an email. Michael, please come on the show. He said in a statement that the case was a first of its kind in the body brokering business and hoped the verdict would send a message to the rest of the industry about the consequences for deceiving body donors. Quote, the selling of human remains is an un underground industry that most people don't know about, Berg said. These funeral homes defrauded grieving families by obtaining the remains of their loved ones and then selling the body parts on the black market. It was an, an honor to help bring, the, bring an element of closure to families who suffer from the horrific actions of these individuals. So during the trial, Biologic Resource Center's attorney, Timothy O'Connor, argued that the plaintiffs signed consent agreements that said bodies could be disarticulated and <laughs> stressed that dismembering a body, quote, doesn't mean it has been treated with hasn't been treated with dignity and respect. Tuesday's verdict came after a years-long cross-country investigation that involved the FBI, um, and it has since resulted in multiple convictions and numerous lawsuits against body brokers. Okay, but can we go, can body we go back? Brokers. Maybe we're going to get there, but, but how did Jim Stouffer, like, ha, I mean, the, the, where did this court case come from? Like, how do you find oh, out? Yeah, how, we're yeah. we're going to get there, and it is the craziest fucking thing on how all this unraveled. It's fucking crazy. You know, what's really, uh, what, what's really crazy about the piece that you said about the funeral homes and like that funeral homes are defrauded. Like if you just completely remove this bonanza of insanity of, you know, the exchange of corpses after they are, you know, given over, signed over, whatever, deceiving, you know, people whose family members have died. Funeral homes, not all funeral homes, but a large sum of them, especially because they're largely a conglom conglomeratized where like one or two businesses own many of them across a, a, a given country. They are shady to say the least already. Mm -hmm. 
without mentioning the yeah. body brokering business. Yeah, you know, with the exception <laughs> of people like our friend Jeremy from Death Ed. Yes, and and Caitlin Doty and and others that you know they're, they're, <laughs> the people the, the people that the people that are running homes that are going. I don't, I don't, I don't do that. I don't, yeah, I don't fall for this. Bullshit. I mean, it's yeah. it's the way that they're set up in the sense that, like, you know, you're dealing with a grieving person who's having to make a decision when, like, they might not be of, quote unquote, sound mind. You know, they're going through something very emotionally traumatic, and or might not have all the information. Like, you know, yeah. it's like these things just are aren't cl- clearly aren't clearly stated to the people yeah. that are yeah. involved. There are manipulative landmines everywhere for people that are running funeral homes. Mm-hmm. Like temp, like temptation traps to take advantage of people. Well, the, the, yeah, the funeral home is one thing, but g- getting into these like body brokers because they're separate from the funeral homes. Yes, right. This but guy, the funeral homes are working well, with them in yes, some capacity. Yes. So this guy Stephen Gore, he was the uh, owner of Biological Resource Center. He was convicted in 2015 of running an illegal enterprise for selling body parts from people with infectious diseases to unwitting buyers. He was sentenced to four years probation. So while it is what? legal to sell body parts for research, it is not legal to sell infected body parts or to deceive the fam- families donating the body about how it will be used. And but, Gore was accused of doing both. But I mean, how do you how do you get <coughs> said body parts infected or not infected? Like, how do you how do you acquire body parts and then sell them? So he acquires the body parts from from funeral homes that have received a body that has been told by the family or by the person who died in, you know, in, in some advanced directive or will that their body is to be donated to science. And so his, his company is a company that goes, we're the, we're the company that buys the body and finds a place for that science, quote unquote science. If you're not watching on YouTube, big hand quotes there, right? They're the ones finding the science to donate the body to. So they're the body broker, right? And they're following the signs. So Biological Resource Center would solicit bodies from grieving families looking to donate loved ones' bodies for medical research while offering to cremate a portion of the body for free. But in the lawsuit, the plaintiff said they had no idea their loved ones were being chopped up and tossed into freezers with hundreds of other body parts, feet, shoulders, legs, spines, even genitals. And they had no idea that bodies would be used for ballistics testing or crash dummies, the lawsuit said. Full bodies, Reuters found, Reuters were sold for five thousand eight hundred ninety-three dollars each. Whoa. How much? Five thousand nine hundred. Five thousand nine hundred bucks for a body. Could you imagine being like, okay, let's just imagine not being the this this scam company now. Let's imagine being a buyer, like of a from a ballistics company. So you're testing your ammo and you're like, oh, well, we got to order in a fresh batch of bodies. Fresh batch of and you just not have, so fresh bodies. You have these these people, human beings coming in that are like probably frozen. Yep. And you're just shooting the bodies. I'm oh, also yeah. finding bullets, it very hard. Blowing to, them up. I'm also finding it very hard to believe how how a how a dead body is that has been dead and is definitely not of the same structural makeup as it was when it was alive is of use in yeah. these tests. I feel like you're kind of, they're not the same thing. And also <laughs> you're testing IEDs on a grandmother. You know, this woman who was like, I don't know how old she was. Let's say she was 89. This frail 89 year old right. woman sitting on a chair and they're going, all right, let's take a, let's take an, a, an improvised explosive, yeah. strap it to the seat she's on 
and blow that frail little grandma <laughs> now, now, body up. Now, go, they know. Well, now we know how our soldiers are yeah, going. Yeah, now they know how, they're 80, how the 89-year-old how the demo yeah. uh, in, the, in but, infantry. But e- even with that being said, like, like, what do they expect to measure using it? Like, what when you blow up that body, injury. other than going, whoa, that's cool. Like, what are they? Uh, you know, I mean, injury, like 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 dismemberment. Could be, sa- could be using, they could be putting safety equipment on it yeah. and, and testing the actual, the equipment that the cadaver is wearing. When it comes to crash. Test dummies, it's like you know, safe belt, seat belt safety, and and airbag safety, and those. It's probably yeah. way more about <laughs> testing, like whether it's ballistics or, or or like equipment. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's funny. You just use the example of using a crash test dummy. Imagine that they didn't use crash test dummies and they just use these frozen bodies. How crazy it, it, would that I be? I mean, there might be. Who those, knows? Those, there, that probably that does might, happen. Yeah. Who knows? Uh, in its 2016 inves- investigation, Reuters. Found out that even uh, if people specifically checked off boxes saying they did not give consent for their loved one's body to be used in a violent experiment, in some cases, Biological Resource Center just said, fuck it. Uh, Stouffer said he checked no for military or traffic experiments. So did the family of a veteran who grew to despise veteran affairs over insufficient medical care, only for his body to end up in a Defense Department uh, experiment. Wow, that's textbook disrespect quote yeah. <laughs> this is almost beyond belief that an entire body went somewhere else without his permission and especially to a place he absolutely did not want it to be the veteran's granddaughter told reuters to Word go to a, a de- defense a department of defense is absolutely mind-boggling so gore this guy who, st- who founded this company he founded it in 2004. This is where this this is where this story gets so fucking crazy he founded the company in 2004 after becoming bored with selling insurance, <laughs> teaching himself about the body trade on the internet. Yeah, dude. This is like war dogs. <laughs> but it was only by chance about 10 years later that his company's practices fell under scrutiny. So here's where we get to how this, this unraveled. This reminds me of like uh, back when the pandemic started. I was like, I wonder how I can make some extra money online. So I went looking through government RFPs and I found uh, I found this one that was like looking for somebody to supply flags to this government office or RFPs from all around just the, like contracts like like got like request publicly for issued like, contracts yeah but they're they're publicly issued issued requ- requests for proposals so you submit or respond to the proposal basically any company can respond right. and, and make an offer yeah, right. they're the, looking for this so is literally RFPs RFPs requesting yeah. fungible pokens. Yes, yeah, exactly. Right. Which Pokemon is literally ones. exactly <laughs> what War Dogs was. Was War Dogs? Yeah. They 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 were looking for proposals for arms contracts. Yeah, and so I was doing this, but I went on and and I would whatever like if there was like any product that was readily available, I would just go on and make uh, my own. This is maybe this is not allowed. I don't. I'm not sure, but anyway, I would go on and just go into the Photoshop first. and make make a like template for a, a proposal. And then go on and get a quote from a company and just sort of be my own middleman and and respond to them. Anyway, I didn't get any of them, but I'm imagining that this is what this guy did. Yeah, with bodies. You and fucked then just started up. Getting you should have. You should have went down this route. I should have went the and body just not route. gotten caught. Guys, can I ask a question right now that's coming to mind? Is is does this really matter? Like yes, like the so, yes, what like one hundred percent in your opinion because. The really, it's, it's a just, moral issue. It's it's people who are now just complaining about the person's dead. It's their body. Like, do we really care about this? I get where you're going with that, and and there is a part of me that's like, well, I mean, 
You're dead. So I'm just far, asking the question. Care. Does it material? It doesn't materially matter. Do you no. care? Do you, Taylor, do you but care I, personally about... But I understand why I understand. So I can put myself in Stouffer's shoes and go, man, if I found out they took my grandma and blew her fucking body up, I'd be a little bummed about you, my... Because that's my grandma. Would you be bummed or would you be like, that's kind of yeah. cool that if they, they did it to my that? body, I'd be like, cool. Because yeah. I would be like... So yeah, blow my body okay. up. But don't blow my grandma's so with, body up. So with that logic, if somebody was making a big deal about your body getting blown up, but you were like, I would actually kind of be like, that's pretty cool. Would you? Would you be like, you should probably should not care about this to no, your level because it's not me. It. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't. I I don't feel like I don't feel the way that a lot of people, the plaintiffs in this case, would feel or are feeling or have felt. But if you but, knew Kyla didn't want her body to be blown up. Right. If Kyler was like, yeah. hey, I'm going to die. Whatever happens to me, though, for sure. Don't let them blow my don't let the Department of Defense blow my body <laughs> up. And then you're like, oh, baby, I swear I love you. We won't do that. Yeah. And then you and then you find out that some company was like, well, we took her body and we blew it up. So first Would you'd be like, well, I'm fucking pissed. I'd be first. I'd say I'm pissed. I'm pissed on like a moral level. Mm-hmm. But on a practical level, I'd be like, I can see you now. Yeah, right, yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, totally. So, yeah. so would the money be worth it to you then? Uh, I I mean, yeah. I mean, if she's already blown up, <laughs> duh, then yeah. So so here's where all this shit unraveled. Uh, the company first caught the eye of the feds in 2011 when a Detroit-based body broker was caught crossing the border into Canada with several heads, some of which were traced back to Biological Resource Center. After uh, another incident would draw yet even more attention to Gore just one year later, when at the Delta cargo warehouse in Detroit, two bloody camper coolers started leaking all over the floor. Wow. That's that would smell baggage. So these fucking poor baggage handlers are alarmed. There's blood oozing out of the containers. You know what this is? This is retribution for all the shit that they've broken. And and federal authorities called to investigate were bracing for a gruesome discovery. They flipped open the lids and inside they found eight severed heads packaged in trash bags and resting in pools of blood. Wow, dude, that is nightmare fuel. You never recover from that. Not only are they doing something that they shouldn't be doing, but they're doing it in such a like non-professional way it's like yeah. okay you're gonna donate a body yeah. to a uh whatever the department of defense and the way you do it is go all right let's just chop like someone's job at one of these places fucking biological research center was to go all right i'm gonna take this body i'm gonna i'm gonna jeffrey dahmer it the fuck up chop its head off cut off his dick and balls and i'm gonna take it and put it in a garbage bag and then put mm. it in a cooler this is ultimately the case for the case. There's, there's, there's reasons why regulation is good and there's reasons why deregulation is good. And in any, in any industry, deregul- like the case for deregulation could be, could be you know, a, a, very, a, a very open environment for innovation, blah, 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 blah. But also coming with deregulation is the opportunity for people who have no accreditation, no background, no experience, F, you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, to start a business where they are allowed to transport bodies, sell, trade, exchange corpses, body parts, et cetera. And with, with no oversight of that industry, 
that's why that happens. Yeah, it just makes me think though too. If they were more professional, maybe they would have gotten away with it. Like, like I was, I went today to sloppy work. My my orthodontist, uh, uh, Doctor Andrew Emanuel. He's amazing. Paradigm Orthodontics. Um, Dude, wow. Wait, hold on. Did they? <laughs> wow. I just want to say, I left them. Guys, did you get a rebate guys, on your know, on your Invisalign for that? <laughs> did yeah. you know that this is this is a thing? So I left them a Google review when I finished my treatment, and they told me today that the review got taken down because it was too good. Because Google uh, is like, oh, we we're, we're gonna flag this. This is fluffed up too much. It's not an accurate representation of that's of the service. And I was like, that's bullshit, dude. Because your service is so good. And I was thinking. If Doctor Andrew Emanuel what? from Paradigm Orthodontics was, is happening, if, if he was if he was running this body uh, corpse ring, he does such a professional Dude, job. This is the review you should have left. This is the review you should have left on Google reviews. He would have gotten he would have gotten away with it. Honestly, on Google reviews, one thing's for sure: if this guy was in the bar, in the body broker business, he'd be nailed. We gotta we have to pay really close attention to everything Brian says now because he's clearly making deals yeah. under the table for sponsorship that we're Jesus being completely Christ. cut out of. So so one guys, of the, uh, don't worry. I'll in the video here. I'll just edit it. I put up a, a copy of my before and after photos. Yeah. You can check them out. So one of the heads that came from this uh, this this cooler that the baggage handlers found. Uh, came from a person who died from bacterial sepsis and aspiration pneumonia. And there was an address on the coolers. It led to a body broker, Arthur Rathburn. So Gore, it turns out, was one of Rathburn's main body part suppliers. And like Gore, Rathburn would also be convicted, but in federal court, of fraud for selling and transporting infected body parts. Now, in 2014, the FBI raided Gore's chop shop in Phoenix. The chop fact that they call shop. it a chop shop. That's cool. And were aghast by what they found. Ready for this? They showed up to Gore's place, and they found heads thrown in buckets, coolers full of penises, body parts tossed in freezers without any apparent identification, and a torso with a different head sewn on like Frankenstein. Dude, how ironic is, is, is it that his last name is Gore? Uh, yeah, that's yeah. pretty good. Yeah. That's pretty good. Yeah. I mean, it's just it's like, there's just a, uh, I mean, you know, you guys joke that I'm a sociopath. <laughs> this guy's actually guy a sociopath. No, no, this guy's a psychopath. Yeah. Uh, Arizona Attorney He's a General. Sociopath. He's a psychosociopath. Arizona Both. Attorney General Mark uh, Brnovich told the Arizona Republic in 2016 that the investigation into BRC, which was the company, uh, could be traced back to a grizzly Delta cargo discovery, though it's unclear whether he was referencing the same one in Rathburn's bust. Uh, Brnovich had said authorities found 15 severed heads. Quote, this investigation was initiated when you had a body company trying to ship 15 severed heads in plastic ice coolers on a Delta cargo flight dripping with blood. And that's how customs found the shipment. And that's what began this whole process. So all of Whoa. this is just, it, this is just one case. Mm -hmm. If this is one case, this is, it's not an isolated thing. So this is how Stouffer found out. This is how it all led back exactly to so, Stouffer finding out that his grandma was just blown to bits. So do you think that there's a bunch of other companies operating more like Dr. Andrew Emanuel from Paradigm Orthodontics Jesus that are much more professional, that are just fuck. getting away with this? 
Was it a three? Did you have? Th- did you have to mention it three times? Was that the deal? Yeah, it was three. Well, yeah, and then put the, put up the before and after pictures. Yeah, but guys, how yeah. fucking crazy! It's is pretty. That? It's it's pretty wild. I mean, but <laughs> but so on the flip side of that, do you think I though? Would, I want to know. I want to know now that we know the underbelly and the and the and the shitty dark side of this. I want to know the. I want to know the 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 other side. I want to know the I want to know the legit the professional side of what happens when somebody says I want my body to go to science, well, et I mean, cetera, et cetera, whatever. The, the legit side of things is that your body gets donated to a university or a hospital or you know some sort of institution that uses the body to advance right. medical sciences. But what is it? But but I want to know the path similar to the way that we get to the place where this shit happens, where somebody dies, they have maybe something written in their will or their, you know, their advanced directive or whatever. And then they, they communicate with the funeral home. Then the funeral home communicates with a university or whatever. Mm. I want to know what that path is. But yeah. it sounds like it is. I bet you, it sounds bet like you, it's one of those companies. I bet that's you this company better. did that. I bet you this company did that. Also did that. And yeah. yeah and was also going, and we'll also take this uh, torso that we sewed somebody else's head onto. And send that to the guy uh, that's from doing Wyoming the, the who wants to fuck it. Oh, right. Yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. Dude. Wow. Like there's probably that's... someone, there's probably someone that there out there that was like, that did the fucking research that Gore did and was like, oh, that's how I can fuck dead bodies. You know what's crazy? Is I just got to get a hold of Gore. Certainly that's happening. Yeah. Certainly. Oh, that makes me. And we feel just sick either don't stomach. know about it yet or we do know about it and there's, we just haven't read it. Well, this is where, this is where we come in. Sleuthing? Yeah, we're gonna figure it out. We're gonna, we're oh, gonna, we're dude, gonna, let's we're be sleuths. We're gonna bust the case. Fuck yeah. Are vegans actually unhealthy? Does cannabis ruin your sleep? And why are so many men taking testosterone supplements? I'm Mitch. And I'm Greg. And we're the creators of the popular YouTube channel, ASAP Science. Every week on our podcast, Side Note by ASAP Science, we explain the science behind a controversial subject with recent research, up-to-date studies, and ridiculous stories so you are entertained while, bam, simultaneously learning. We're here to make science make sense. Download Side Note by ASAP Science wherever you got your podcasts um uh let's move along here this is a really interesting little piece that uh tay you brought to my attention infrastructure bill includes law that aims to end drunk driving uh this is really fascinating so the department of transportation still has to decide about what kind of tech they want to use to try and stop drunk driving so Biden is about to sign this $1 trillion infrastructure bill. He actually did yesterday. Okay, on Mondays, right. Yeah. So he did yesterday. Um, and he'll be putting into effect the government's biggest push yet to end drunk driving. Uh, it's not just a call for more corny PSAs, but by 2026, automakers will be required to install technology that detects and prevents intoxicated drivers from hitting the road. So... Uh, some of the options in development include like discrete sensors placed within the car that would measure the alcohol level in driver's blood or breath. Another possible solution, and this one doesn't make any sense to me, include cameras similar to ones currently used by car makers like GM to monitor driver attentiveness when the driver assistance features are in use. Yeah. I, 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 so there's, there's mm-hmm. obviously privacy yeah. issues at play 
um, which are going to be ma- major hurdles to get over for this to actually be implemented. There's way more privacy concerns in the in the like being able to sense alcohol on somebody's breath than than the well maybe not than the can. Then what was the other option? It was cameras, cameras or sensing alcohol sen- levels in blood or breath. Sen- it was the, the, the other was one the, was the attentive. The, uh, yeah, because that's like that's technology that is in in use already for like for self-driving uh, features and stuff sure, like that, but, right? So so wrap my head around this. How the fuck would that work, right? Like, I don't know. I feel like there, there would be like if a... If you're drunk and you go, all right, I know, my, I know I'm going to get in my car and I know my car has cameras in there and my car is going to be like crunching numbers to figure out whether or not I'm paying enough attention to the road, but I'm drunk, yet I know that these cameras are in here. Like, it seems right. like something that could be fooled. Sure. So there's got to be some... There's got to be some, uh, well, by 20, it's by 2030? 2026. 2026. 2026. So 2026, soon. five years from now, I would say, I would say most models, like mid, at least mid to upper range models of like every, of every car manufacturer is probably going to have some level of assisted driving uh, or like semi autonomous driving feature where like, you know, like lane, yeah. like lane switching and mm-hmm. shit like that. Um, most likely like new models by them. And so in the case of using the sensors, I could see it being something where there's some sliding scale of like attentiveness that, that they are able to detect, which is definitely very subjective, obviously. Yeah. Because like, how do you distinguish between a drunk driver and somebody who fucking sucks at driving a car? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so that's a big problem. But the breath thing is interesting. Although the problem I see with the breath thing is that how does it know that it's the driver that's been drinking and not somebody in the back seat or somebody in the passenger seat? Because if you could, I'm, I would personally be all for, um, I'm not like, I'm not against the, the idea of like zero tolerance alcohol and driving. Like, yeah. I, I think that that's a, that's probably, a, a pretty good, a pretty good. Well, around ten thousand people are killed in drunk driving accidents every year. Ten thousand, making I, up about thirty percent of all traffic fatalities. That's, that's, in, the, that's, that's in the U.S. Yeah, thirty percent of all traffic fatalities See, are drunk driving, and the plan is seeking to reduce those deaths, so ten thousand, by nine thousand four hundred. So I, t- I totally agree. Like I would love it. It would be amazing to be able to eliminate drunk driving, and I would be all for. You know, I'd I'd support any initiative that is working towards that, but there is something about collecting personal data that makes me feel weird, in the sense that, you know, like I in my other job I work for. But a they're collecting that personal data. data now. They're just collecting the personal data once you've gotten in an accident and killed somebody, and then that that's yeah, the data that they're late. collecting. What what do you what do you mean? Like that. You know what I mean? Like, so they're co- the, they'll have to collect personal data by like uh, this person got in the car and they were. They, we detected alcohol, so the car won't work. That's a personal data point. The, 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 the other side of that same coin is let's not collect the data and it, that, and, or not have that feature. And then, but we'll collect that, we'll collect that data after they kill somebody. Yeah. Yeah. The, I, I don't know. It's, it's, it's funny because like, I don't have a, I, all I, I understand have is a feeling that I get about it. Like I don't have a, a concrete reason why it's, it's more so. I guess when I think of like they're collecting constantly ca- collecting data points on us, and then who is the company? Because my concern isn't about what is what is this data being yeah. used for. Yep. 
It's who is the company that's collecting, holding it, and then what are they doing yeah. with that? Because Someone will I know of, of a number of companies that have started businesses with really great intentions that collect data and then they end up being sold or bought. They end up being bought by another company that is using that data in ways that it wasn't intended. Yeah, like biological resource the center. Yeah. They're, they're buying the database is what they're buying. I mean, like, and data you know, is the most valuable I know one of your, fav- one of your favorite companies does this. Cambridge Analytica. Meta. Meta. <laughs> Meta. Meta is Brian's that is not, that is not favorite company. I don't like, I don't like Meta. Whoa, I like VR. Whoa, I don't know about that. Yeah. And who <laughs> is making VR right now? Yeah. Lots of people. Anyway, it'll be, it'll be interesting to see. 2026 is just around the corner. Um, and, uh, you know, like he'll still be alive around that time. Like it, yeah. it, I, I watched a really, this is, this is, a, this is just a quick aside in the same sort of, in the same sort of realm, but there was a Veritasium video a while back where he went to Waymo headquarters in Arizona and, uh, same was, place that biological resource center is from probably. Yeah. <laughs> and Al, is it in Albuquerque? Uh, oh no, they're from Phoenix. Sorry. My bad. Um, Oh, sorry. I said, I did say Arizona, but I think it's New Mexico. Okay. Um, and, uh, and so there, so Waymo is Google's, is a Google, Google's, uh, autonomous driving project company. And, uh, and they do all their like testing in, in, I, I believe it's in Albuquerque. It's either in Albuquerque or, or it's in, uh, or, or it might be Phoenix okay. or what's, or what's the other place in Phoenix? I know this Who is, cares? I know this doesn't matter. Tulsa. Um, and, uh, and it was just really interesting the way that like they break down the like, the inability to digest statistics in terms of like autonomous driving and how it, how it relates to safety and how it's like, Oh, you know, if you, if there's, you know, in, in so many driving hours, there was like this many crashes and like, and that's always used in media as like a, this is a reason why we shouldn't do it. And it's like in the same amount of driving hours with like human operated vehicles, it's like, 10,000 times that amount of, of injuries or fatalities or something. And it's like the inability to, to like recognize that like there are so many things that technology just does way better than humans do. And because we, they don't, they don't have to, they don't have to, they don't have to go through the processes that our brains do to come to the same conclusion. Well, what about all the jobs that we'll lose? Very good question. Yeah, uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens. Um, looking forward to it, though, because, you know, drunk driving is an issue and anything we can do to, not anything, but mostly anything we can do to quell that problem, I think is a good thing. Get um, rid of alcohol. That's not the solution, but. No, that ain't it. And yeah. I don't like that. <laughs> uh, here's a, actually, before I get into this story, Tay, you, uh, so we had a, a Patreon live stream uh, a couple of nights ago for our lovely, lovely patrons. Yes, we did. And we do these live streams, basically they're live streamed episodes exclusively for our patrons once a month. And uh, we've been doing it for a little while now. They're really fun, really great way for our patrons to engage in the middle of a, a, a recording. Um, and we did one a couple of nights ago with special guest, Kyla your partner. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's out in the public now for people who like follow, you know, Kyla and you on social media. Uh, maybe not you, but Kyla for sure. Um, yeah. But uh, do you want to, do you want to give the news to all the people who I'm don't? having a, I'm having a baby. Taylor's pregnant. <laughs> I'm having crazy. a baby girl in, uh, in March. And 
That's fucking crazy. Yeah. And the reason that we were talking to Kyla, the reason that we had the conversation with Kyla is because um, we tried for a long time and, and we, we weren't having any success and we did IVF. Yeah. And uh, quite a story. I got to say, Kyla was an incredible guest. Mm-hmm. And uh, we're actually going to release that episode in a couple of weeks. So really looking forward to that. Yeah. Um, s- truly a solid, solid, beautiful conversation. Um, but before we started recording today, you were, you were talking about how you, you bought like a baby book. Yeah, uh, uh, we have a few books at home, and uh, and some of them we bought, and some of them you know uh, parents or friends or whoever you know bought them for us and gave them to us. And and I'm reading this one, the and this one, and Kyla got this one for me because she was like, it's all about, it's all like data driven, uh, data driven like analytics about like parenting in the first parenting from like birth to I think uh, the first like three years or something like that. Was it written by a professional? Professor Lipschitz? It was not. Oh, he's like the foremost thinker in early childhood education. Foremost thought leader. He's a thought leader. Yeah. And uh, and and so I'm I'm reading this book and uh, and 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 I I enjoy I'm enjoying the I'm enjoying the. I didn't know who that was. I was I was like, who's Professor Doctor Lipschitz? And uh, now I realize that is a character from Rugrats. Thank you. (laughs) Oh, I remember that. He's the one. He's the guy that they're always referring to. Like, did you ask him about that? That's right. (laughs) Um, And so I'm reading this book, and I'm enjoying the I'm enjoying the like premise of like looking at a data and like scientific studies on. Hold on, I'm sorry. I got I got a fucking. I'm on the Rugrats wiki. This is fucking hilarious. Doctor Werner P. Lipschitz. Uh, male, born in 1941, uh, <laughs> age approximately 50 at the time that this was written, uh, race, human, uh, occupation, child psychologist, interests, he likes eating cheese, making money, helping children, and helping parents. Oh my God, that's <laughs> really funny. Thank God for for, uh, for character wikis. Holy fuck. Um, so I'm reading this book and I'm enjoying the like, I'm, j- I'm enjoying the, the, the look at all these things and questions that parents have uh, about, you know, should I do this or should I do that? Or how should I approach this situation if it comes up and everything and looking at the data and going, you know, like, is there any evidence at all to suggest that it matters what choice you make, Mm. you know, or is it like a total toss up or is it clear that this is a, you know, a, a, a data, a data backed, you know, position to take or, you know, that stuff, but I'm reading the book and it's positioned through this lens that I just like can't get behind. I just can't wrap my head around. I can wrap. I can, I get it. Cause I've seen these parents it's, <laughs> it's positioned and the, and the narrative is told through like a, Hey, I understand you are scared shitless about everything that could possibly yeah, like yeah. Every it's one, little thing. It's one of those is, books that's written like presum- presuming how you feel, totally. and it's and it's taking the lens that you are afraid, scared, super nervous, afraid. anxious. That, like I yeah. can't that I can't even wrap my head around how I'm going to be a parent, how I'm going to yeah. raise a human. That like it's the scariest thing in the planet. And I and I and I don't want to say that I I don't I can't wrap my head around it because I can understand I understand the idea of being scared. And especially when you have something that's very, very new. I remember when I got Loki and, you know, he would get sick and I'd be like, holy shit, what mm-hmm. the fuck is happening? He's sick. Like, I get, I understand that. And especially now knowing, like, I mean, I don't know. I, I feel like especially through this podcast and through even Turn Me On, like, just knowing all of the ways that just simply being, even being a good parent 
will inherently fuck up your child. Yeah. You know, like having that knowledge and, and about to have a kid, I get it. It's like, oh God. I mean, and I, and I, and I'm reading and going like, wow, this is like, you know, the, the, the information is good. The position of the narrative is, is, you know, not directed towards me. I, yeah. I can, I shouldn't have said I can't wrap my head. That was probably I, the publishing company that was like, yeah, I think we should, I think like the information's great, but I think we should position it this way. But what it highlights, what it highlighted to me as a New York Times bestseller is how many people are coming at it from that frame of mind. Because it, it's simply the way, because it, it's so obvious the way that it's written that way, that there's no way that it would sell if there wasn't that mentality being very uh, widespread. Do you, think, do you think Kyla feels at all that way? No. Only because no. like I know that I feel like you have... You know, you you are self-proclaimed the most rational person on the entire planet. Self-proclaimed. So, also, I've been I think I've been usurped by a, a, a recent discovery I've made in a, in a historian and thinker named Neil Ferguson, but <laughs> second most rational person. So anyway, my my point is, is that do you think that like, you know, are you do you feel like you have a level of awareness where you're like, oh, maybe this is, you know, I think of it this way because I tend to be a more pragmatic, rational thinker. And, you know, I might not be like the general population when, because I feel, though I feel like I wouldn't be scared or nervous or anxious, I feel like I could empathize with the fact that it would be a very common experience for people to be like, oh, totally. fuck, like I'm totally. terrified. And I anticipate being, being, uh, you know, being uh, frightened about things coming up, but I'm not concerned about being able to make a rational decision about how to how to go about solving the problem. When, yeah. when I think of having a kid, the first word that comes to mind of the, the first feeling that comes to mind when I think about the first year of that kid's life is, is boredom. I just imagine it to be a really boring experience Yeah, for, man, who, when, for when, the parent or for the baby, for the parent. Yeah, dude, when Tash had her kid and we took, we took Hudson for a walk the first time I was like, you don't do anything. This thing's fucking boring, <laughs> dude. It can't even see me, and I'm right in front of it. And it's just like it's just. <laughs> and I was like, Does it, it doesn't do anything. That's a really good impression. Yeah, but shits and eats. Yeah, but but for the parent, for you, it would be boring. <laughs> That's what I mean. The, yeah. But for the parent, it wouldn't be boring because you've nah. got because you have to elimination make, communication. You got to make sure that it's not dead every day, and yeah, that's a is, job. Yeah, like I guess all so. day. <laughs> I guess, yeah, I guess. <laughs> all day. But like I, fe I feel like you think that, but there's 24 hours in a day. You guarantee, like in the first, like in the first, like month, fucking 33 <laughs> days in, Taylor's gonna be like setting the baby up on the other side of the fucking living room, like on the couch, and it's just gonna, it, like it won't be able. To, he's gonna like have to prop its fucking head up because his goddamn neck can't, and it's just like this. And Taylor's gonna like be taking a baseball, going, "Come on, dude, catch it." And just throwing a baseball at it. <laughs> He's going to go, fuck. This thing can't yeah. do nothing. Maybe. How are you going to learn how to win? <laughs> if you can't even catch a fucking baseball. Maybe it's not. Maybe it's not football. Boring. It's bigger, right. less hard. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. Well, listen, this is a story uh, uh, that might scare the shit out of you. And uh, hopefully it puts it scares the I sent it puts, puts I fear, sent it to you. Hopefully it puts the fear of God in you. Uh, this is actually really sad. A couple had to trade babies after embryos were mixed up. This is from the Washington Post. 
uh, when, uh, how do you this pronounce is... this name? Da- uh, Daf- Daphna. Her name is Daphna. Daphna. Oh, I remember. I think re- it's actually Daphna. I remember it's reading. It's pronounced D-A-E-F-N-A-A. Daphna. Spelled D-A-P-H-N-A. Uh, when Daphna Cardinal became pregnant with her second daughter in January 2019, she was overjoyed. The in vitro fertilization process was a success, like you. And she savored the next nine months, knowing the pregnancy would probably be her last. I can't even wrap my head around this shit, dude. But when the girl was born that September, Daphna and her husband, Alexander, were shocked. Alexander took several steps away from the birthing table, backing up against the wall when he first saw the baby's jet black hair and complexion that was darker than his, his wife's and their first daughter's. First of all, that scene is straight out of a fucking comedy movie. Like, <laughs> like what do you think <laughs> to he you. was thinking? <laughs> It, right. Well, if it wasn't IVF, then he would be... Oh, probably. right, right, because it's IVF. Right, right, yeah. right, right, right. Uh, even after they brought the girl home, Alexander could not shake the dissonance. The couple's family and friends noticed, too, saying they were surprised the girl looked so different and even asking if the embryos had been donated. Alexander sometimes felt he had to joke that the baby girl was not his daughter. In fact, the couple soon learned she wasn't. According to a lawsuit the Cardinals filed Monday, the fertility clinic that facilitated the in vitro pregnancy at the California Center for Reproductive Health, which is run by a guy named uh, Gore. Implanted another couple's embryo into Daphna. Their own embryo, the Cardinals learned, was implanted into the mother of the child whom Daphna gave birth. In other words, the Cardinals allege the fertility clinic mixed up the embryos, a mistake that forced the couples to trade their babies after months of raising them. Whoa. Not to mention, not to mention that they had to, that you then realized that you didn't grow your child. Yeah. Yeah. So here's a, here's a a pretty sad, but a video of the, of the couple. Alexander and I are devastated. We missed an entire year of our daughter's life. Whoa. I didn't get to experience being pregnant with her or birthing her. We missed her entire newborn period. We never saw our baby's entrance into the world or cuddled her in her first seconds of life. Our memories of childbirth will always be tainted by the sick reality that our biological child was given to someone else. And the baby that I fought to bring into this world was not mine to keep. There's no way to describe the pain that we've been through. The struggle to guide our older daughter through losing the little sister she fell in love with. Oh my God. Dude, that's a lot. Dude, that a couple, crazy. Uh, honestly, I was going to, I was going to uh, jokingly say that I have no empathy for that couple because as a twin, when I was born, I, there's no way that I can be sure that I wasn't mixed up with my brother as a little baby. So like I might, you guys might call me Brian, but when I was born, I might've been Dennis. You could have been. And there's no possible way for us to really know. And like, you know, imagine that's a a little different. Imagine. Yeah, it is. I was going to joke about that. To his point, the doctor was also a clown 
practicing <laughs> juggling at the time. So like both babies came out and he's like, hey, want to see a trick? And he started doing this. And he's like, Brian does. Exactly. Brian does. Well, I don't fucking know. Here, exactly. And and uh, and the other thing is like, imagine putting twins into a crib at night and then coming back in the morning and being like, well, actually, yeah, for real, Brian, that Dennis, I guess. Yeah, they today, probably marked you. That's crazy. They, they must have marked my you. parents did. They put uh, nail polish on one of us. But like, yeah, imagine sense. going to bed and putting nail polish on one and going, we put the nail polish on Brian and then coming back in the morning and be like, was that, was it last night that we put the nail polish on Brian or was that, no, did we always do that? that like, that, they, if they were, if they, your dad's pretty, your dad's pretty like pragmatic. He's and, an engineer. And yeah. like, and you know like, what they should do? He is, would go, he would go, we always do it on only one of them and yeah. always the same. Yeah. But what if they we, forgot? Yeah, exactly. What you right? should, what they, what they should do with twins as soon as they come out. Is just have a tattoo artist sitting there, and they just tattoo on the inside of the ear. Yeah, yeah. Like a little tag number, like, like dogs or something. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so I actually don't think that that's a bad idea. Honestly, after yeah, after watching that video, guys, this just makes <laughs> me really. This just makes me really sad. Uh, the it's couple is now sad. suing yeah. the clinic and its owner, obstetrician uh, Illoran Moore, gore. for monetary damages. <laughs> uh, gore, sorry. Um, <laughs> Their claims against Gore and his company include breach of contract, medical malpractice, and infliction of emotional distress on the couple. Uh, Gore slash Moore did not immediately respond to a message from the Washington Post. Obviously, that guy's fucking bummed right now. Uh, the babies had been born a week apart, according to the Associated Press, and the second family is not named in the lawsuit. And soon after both families discovered they had the, been rearing the wrong children, they arranged to meet and they continued to stay in contact in the following days according to the lawsuit. You know, I feel really bad for more too because it would be devastating. Oh, like yeah. My initial I mean, reaction is like... I didn't mean like, to do that. But no. if, if he ran his company like Dr. Andrew Emanuel from Paradigm Orthodontics, oh, there's no mention? way that would have ever happened. I, I feel like... Um, I, 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 I feel like the only positive silver lining that could exist in this is, is that there ends up being a lasting relationship between the two families that you know goes on how wild would it be if those two if those two kids grew up and then they fell in love that would be that's the next justin um, baldoni I'm, movie i'm this trying is to it. justin you listening i'm trying to think <laughs> I got of like, you, bro. i'm trying to think of like the uh the conflicts that would exist in that in that relationship but i guess there wouldn't be any no oh you're thinking like of like 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 by blood and like the, those yeah kinds of, right because nah. they wouldn't no nah. but they but would they? Because the mm. because the blood supply to the baby comes from the placenta. But it doesn't. So, placenta doesn't share DNA with the right. Yeah. Well, wow, that's confusing, right? Plus, there there there's no worries of them having. They're, they're two baby girls, so they just they would they they would have to like, adopt. Yeah, they, yeah, they're not. It's not. It's not like or they're gonna have a kid and, and the kid's gonna come out like well, Sorry. You fuck your cousin and now they wouldn't it's got, right, right, like right. they wouldn't have to teeth. they wouldn't have to adopt. They could do. IVF also, but they'd have to have donor sperm because like as much as, as hard as it is, the, the hard, the hard part about, about going, I didn't get to see our daughter, you know, grow up for the first year. There's also the, like, you obviously create a relationship. I mean, because you're going to create a daughter feeling relationship towards the kid because hundred percent came out of you. Yeah. You That's what they were saying. The child. You you made you did make that child, mm. yeah. Like you did. It just wasn't your DNA, and that was the that was the the mix up. I mean, people do surrogate babies, and 
you know, embryo donations and sperm donations and embryo and sperm donations that create children. And like, so there's any manner of, of like different ways that you could have a child that's not going to have your DNA, not to mention just adoption. And you could love that kid the same as, 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 as a, you know, have sex and have a baby. But like to have that end I mean, that would be fucked. Dude, that would be like losing. My, that would be like losing a kid. My yeah. my oh, yeah. my dog yeah. doesn't share my DNA, and I got him eight weeks after he was born, and now you know four months after having him in my life. If I had to give him up for another dog that actually I was supposed to get because it was my DNA and I was supposed to give birth to that, I would be That'd devastated. Be, Donut has my, my Donut my, has my DNA. Yeah, I know. I led this a blood ritual the other night, and I just it was like uh, from midnight mass, and I just went. I bet into him, sucked his blood, and then yeah. slip, slip my own wrist and that doesn't it into him. No, that doesn't so, make him any better. So cute, yeah, it does. <laughs> that's so cute. Hey, donut. Look at hey. his little mustache he's got going right now. You got the best mustache. He does. You're so cute. You got the best Movember. Uh, all right, we got to wrap this up, but before we do, let's get into this week's edition of What the Hell. That was pretty good. Thanks. <laughs> Neurocystisirosis. Okay is a most disturbing way to get tapeworms in your brain. Oh, fuck. Man, I fucking hate worms. Guys, this is really crazy. Dude. On a night that seemed like any other, a perfectly healthy 38-year-old man in Massachusetts fell from his bed amid a violent seizure at 4 a.m. The commotion woke his wife, who found her husband on the floor shaking and speaking gibberish. Nice. He was rushed to a Massachusetts General Hospital. There, doctors witnessed the man had two-minute-long tonic-clonic grand mal seizure in which he lost consciousness and his muscle aggress muscles aggressively contracted. Whoa. Doctors began painstaking process, the, the painstaking process of trying to piece together what was wrong by performing a battery of tests and interviewing his family. So I'm going to get you to guess what the fuck's going on here. By nearly every account, the man was in very good health. He had no history of seizures, no cardiovascular, respiratory, gastrointestinal, um, uh, genitourinary, uh, or neurological disorders. This is easy. His toxicology screams were clear. He had no, he took no medications prescribed or over the counter. He didn't smoke. He rarely drank. There was no evidence of anything that happened to him recently that would have provoked a seizure. The man spent uh, the previous day with his children and had dinner with his brother, who reported nothing out of the ordinary. The only initial hint of the diagnosis came was the only initial hint of the diagnosis to come was that the man had immigrated from Boston to Boston from a rural area in Guatemala about 20 years earlier. Mm. What do you think happened? Uh, I think it was a succubus. It does sound a little bit like demonic possession. He was speaking in tongues, writhing on the floor. See, it, they, But they did not get any priests involved at any point. This is also on the... So, uh, no. To, Wait, to, but you already said that there was the worms, but you're asking yeah. where they came from. How did he get them? Uh, in his uh, brain. How do you get him in his brain? Right, because if it was produce or something, then it would be in his digestive system, not in his brain. How the fuck did this get in your brain? Was, oh, dude, uh, he's into trepanation. No, no, it was uh, it's somebody from, a relative from Guatemala <clears throat> sent him like some type of like snorting tobacco or something. Uh, and it's actually not a, that's that's not a bad guy. He uh, snorted it and went in a uh, small passageway into the brain. Well, let me get through this because I got I to gotta record Termion in, uh, in eight minutes. Uh, the doctors performed a CT scan. They quickly narrowed the possibilities. The scan revealed three calcified lesions in his brain. And the doctors homed in on the diagnosis of neurocystis 
cysticerosis, neurocysticerosis. In other words, larval cysts oh. from a pork tapeworm had migrated to his head years ago and nestled into various parts of his brain. The doctors documented their work in the man, uh, on the man's illness in a case study published this this Thursday. You want to drive yourself crazy? Imagine that you have one of those in your head right now. So here's how this is possible. Learning about the path of neurocysticerosis is not for the weak of stomach. It's a cruddy calamity as nauseating as it is dangerous. The pork tapeworms, uh, tinea solium, which looks like this, typically tuck themselves into human intestines. That's a succubus. Where they can grow a <laughs> shocking length of up to eight meters. Whoa. That's 26 oh my feet. God. The worm's victims, meanwhile, expel parasitic eggs in their shit. Now, if that egg-latent excrement makes its way into an environment with pigs, the pigs carry out the worm's life cycle by ingesting the eggs from the poop. In the pig's stomach, gastric acid prompts the eggs to lose their protective coating and hatch into larval cysts called oncospheres. These can penetrate the intestinal wall and take a ride through the pig's body via the circulatory system. Then they eventually burrow into the pig's muscles and lie in wait as cysticere, which is typically not a bother for the pig. So pigs have no idea. Now, but if a human ends up eating an undercooked, eating undercooked pork containing those larval cysts, the life cycle continues in a human gastrointestinal tract, the worms emerge from its cystic form and sinks into its hooks and four suckers into the human's upper intestines. There, it can happily slurp away for years, growing its ribbon-like meters-long uh, body and shedding more eggs, and the life cycle begins again. So that's the whole process, but right? Then what, so what if it ends there? What happens to the person if it ends there? Things go sideways, however, when a human, not a pig, ends up eating the worm's eggs. This can happen in a nauseating scenario in which someone infected with a tapeworm happens to have bad hygiene and also prepares food. In other words, a poopy hand tapeworm victim contaminates a meal. In this case, the eggs hatch in the human's stomach as they do in pigs. The larval cysts can end up in the human's muscles, which is the cysticerosis, but they can also migrate to the eyes and brain, neurocysticerosis. Holy fuck me, dude. This is horrific. This is a dead end for the worm and can develop into a big problem for the human. So when the worm is in the brain, the cyst goes through four stages. At first, it quietly lays in wait as a viable worm, provoking little to no immune responses and thus no symptoms. This stage can last many years, but over time, the cyst degenerates and leaks fluid that then alerts the immune system that there's a parasite present, promoting a really strong response. The cyst degenerates further and forms a nodule in the brain. Finally, the nodule becomes a calcified granuloma. Seizures have then been associated with the inflammatory responses linked to the late stage calcification. You guys know, you guys want to know what makes me so I'm fucking mad? Fucking crazy. You want to know that? what makes me so mad now? Thinking about there's think about how many potential diagnoses that there are for diagnoses there are for like a, a grand mal seizure. Like that, how how yeah. many potential things can lead yeah, to that? Yeah, so many. And think about how shitty the writing is on Grey's Anatomy, knowing that there's so much potential. I don't think about that. Stories like that. Yeah. Like I, you know, 
I'm really let down by Grey's Anatomy now. So am I. That's <laughs> the thing that I've makes me been. so mad about I'm this I'm so episode. let down by it that I avoid it entirely. So to wrap this up, uh, the guy, he was brought into the hospital. He's given multiple doses of anti-seizure medication. He was intubated, transferred to the neurosciences intensive care unit where he was stabilized, extubated. Doctors began treatment with antiparasitic drugs and anti-inflammatory drugs. Ivermectin. Five days later, he, yeah, yeah. I mean, probably, probably. probably, yeah. probably. probably. Five days later, he uh, had no remaining neurological symptoms and seizures, and he was totally fine. Whoa. I know. That was a crazy <laughs> that is, one. That is bananas. We yeah. should have Thank him you, Reddit, on the for uh, popping that in my <laughs> that feed That is today. fucking nuts. Listen, <laughs> folks, this has been so fun. Love you all so much. Thank you for tuning in. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, leave a rating and a review. Follow on Spotify to our patrons. We love you. Thank you for contributing to the show. Wouldn't be able to do it without you. And, uh, you know, if you've ever had a baby mix-up, let us know. Letters at sickboypodcast.com. I shouldn't joke about that. It's very sad. But if you ever had, letters at sickboypodcast.com. I mean, let us know anyway. Let us know anyway, because it's crazy. Let's get sad about it together. Letters at sickboypodcast.com. And if you want to be a guest on the show, go to sickboypodcast.com slash contact and fill up the guest form. And thank you so much to the folks who make this show happen. Thank you to Jeff Lonis, our manager, to Rich O'Coin for the theme music, to you guys for doing this uh, with me as well, and uh, to everybody else who makes this show happen, including our lovely supporters on Patreon. That is it for this week. I'm Brian. I'm Taylor. And I'm Jeremy. And this is Sick Boy. For more CBC Podcasts, go to cbc.ca slash podcasts.